this is the channel update. This is basically the reason why I stopped posting videos for probably close to seven, eight months now. I had a podcast going. I had three, four episodes lined up. I had a Discord server. I still have a Discord server. There's about 600 people in there. I feel like I kind of dipped and left everybody in the dark. So I feel like I should probably start off with why I've been MIA. And the real reason is, I guess a short story is, I started posting on TikTok, design content, ended up blowing up. I got like half a million followers in 50 days or so. Ever since then, which was last July, all of my efforts really been going to TikTok because that's the highest ROI. And just for like comparison, I started this channel maybe like five or six years ago. I think 2016 November is the first video I posted. But unfortunately, I feel like the growth has been nowhere near what I experienced on TikTok. I think what really ended up happening was I was really inspired by Nerdwriter, Vsauce. Like these are awesome channels that do long format content. I think I was emulating their format because I personally enjoyed watching it, but it turned out I'm not really good at producing that kind of format in a timely manner. You know what I mean? Like my mind doesn't really work that way. But you said that you've had some videos that weren't really returning like good return on investments, right? ROI on yeah. YouTube. But there are some that did kind of blow up, right? Or yeah, did it so, take too long for them to blow up? No, it took, it took, um, they blew up pretty quick. So the one that really put me on the map was a GPT-3 one. That one just crossed 400,000 views. And after that one, there was a little momentum going. The next one I put out hit like 100,000 in a couple of days, maybe. So it was like picking up and it was like almost at that turning point until, you know, life got in the way. I had to step back for personal reasons for, for about a year or so. Um, but even, even then, what I realized is like I was emulating these creators that I love, like the Nerd Writer, Vsauce. I love that format, but it took me, I think, five years of experimentation to find out that my mind is not really cut out for that type of format. I'm too much of a perfectionist. I sweat the script. I'm trying to EQ every sound, edit syllables, um, you know what I mean? Tweaking, color grading everything, trimming clips. And I, it got to the point where it took me a month and a half, like six to eight weeks to put out one video. So one day I'm driving, I'm doing the math. I'm like, yo, how can I blow up if I do six, best case, six videos a year? Like, that's just not scale content. Yeah, yeah, like that doesn't scale. So the GPT-3 one, even, even that one took me like 20 hours. There's videos that I have that I'm really proud of that are literally compiled with 100 other clips plus. So I take 100 other videos and turn it into one video and then I write the script and I EQ the vocals and then I edit and I color grade. And when you, you, know, when you do that, man, that takes a lot, a lot of effort. The problem is, it's a great problem to have, but like my mind, like I'm always generative. Like I got so many ideas and concepts that... That bottleneck of one video, if I can only get one video into the world every six to eight weeks, like 99% of my ideas are never going to be heard by anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was kind of a, a, an eye-opener for me. I realized like this long format thing, it's, I get paralysis. I get too perfectionist with it. And so at what point from 2016 till now did that little bulb kind of click? I mean, it clicked. I was like almost in denial because it clicked. Couple, maybe two years ago, I kind of knew it in the back of my mind, but I just didn't care. I was like, all right, I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing, which is putting out these long format videos. I think to date, they're still some of the best work, if not the best work I've ever done. Um, but then Design Secrets, which is a project I had, it was an idea I had in 2018 when I was in Europe. I was like observing all these like cool design patterns in the city I'm from. Then I was like, I should turn this to a blog and just kind of document these patterns. 
So I ended up hiring somebody, a developer, turning it into a little website project. And uh, sure enough, it, it, it went nowhere. I was getting, I don't know, 100 views a month or two. After a while, I just lost any hope and inspiration I had. So I kind of just let it sunset. And you weren't really promoting it or anything like that? I mean, time, I was. Right? I was, but it just wasn't working. I guess the way I was doing it wasn't working. The real backstory of how this project started, I mean, I'm kind of di digressing a little bit, but everything started in 2012. Like my first job out of college, I got some funds, started making good money, and I just started tripping the fuck out. I was on like 14 flights the first year, just traveling, every opportunity I got. So me and my man Cal did this huge Euro trip, right? So we're in, we're in Barcelona. And we're going to these sightseeing places and we're getting the, the tour guides. So this particular one was Gaudi. It's a crazy architect from Spain, out of this world. Like the Sagrada Familia, I don't know if you know that building. Um, it's his masterpiece. It's still under construction. They're still trying to like figure out how to complete it because he got hit by a bus before they can complete it. Mm. So we went to his house, the Casa de Bayo, I think. We're doing the audio, so they give you this little telephone and you just hold it to your ear and you press like, press 16 and they'll tell you about the fireplace. And I remember doing the tour, and we're on the second floor of the house, and the pre-recording thing in my ear says, if you notice that he positioned the windows in such a way that when the sunlight hits, it warms up the room, and all the warm air escapes through this vent. And at that moment, it was like such a mind-blowing, eye-opening experience. Like it, it made me reconceptualize what architecture is. I never even considered like temperature control in a house. And the fact that this dude did it like 100 years ago, no computers, no simulations, none of that shit. You just figured, okay, the sun's going to hit here, then we can repurpose the air. It was one of those moments, man, where it's just, it's like seeing a new color for the first time. And then you start seeing it everywhere. I think that was the seed for Design Secrets. And I started noticing these little things. And then we went to the Pantheon in Rome, which is known for this perfectly shaped dome. And then the tour guide is like, if you look at the floor, there is an ever so slight curvature because there's a huge gaping hole at the top of the building. So I'm like, damn, the water's coming in. So they curved the floor ever so slightly a few degrees so the water would run off in the drain Drained. on the side. And I'm like, damn, that's fucking interesting. So mentally, I'm taking notes, right? And I think 2018, I think I was seeing these like little spikes people were putting on top of like lampposts so birds can't land on top and shit on people below. Yeah. And all that kind of synthesized. I was like, yo, I got to document these. I don't know what to call them. Mm. So I was like, there's a pattern in the world that I'm noticing. I'm observing. I started capturing interest. I've always been capturing interesting articles and tweets and YouTube videos and categorizing them. But at that moment in 2018, July, something just connected. And I was like, yo, I want to document these. I want to share, share them with the world. At that time, was it just architecture or just kind of did you start noticing it in, every, in other areas as well? It was everything. Everything. And the way I wanted to spin it off was like an encyclopedia for design. So if you're a design student and you're building like a building, I wanted you to be able to filter by architecture and see all the architecture design secrets. If you're building a new city, then you could click by city design and see all of them. So I spun it off as like an encyclopedia. And anyway, so I turned that to a website 2018 or a year or two after, after the website didn't go anywhere, I had the idea of like, damn, I should turn this to an Instagram because it's utterly like a visual format. So I hopped on Instagram. I made like a hundred of these articles, took every single blog post I had written and painstakingly converted it to an Instagram post, right? And started flooding Instagram just, you know, once a day, once a day, once a day. Where I fucked up at, though, is I was trying to take shortcuts in a way. I was trying to growth hack my way to 
to virality. Okay. So I was following like as many people as I could every single day on Instagram. To see if they would follow you back or just look at your content. Exactly. Whatever. Just Bro, get some type of reaction. Okay. Yep. I was just going crazy. I'd be like walking my dog and I'm just, just hitting all of them. And I'll get a message. You so, can't follow more people for the day. Would you get followers back? Yeah. Interaction? Yeah. So I think I, I followed like 3,000 people. I got like 700 followers, which oh. isn't, isn't bad. But at one point, I started noticing the analytics. What ended up happening was I would get like 1,000 views somewhere on a post regularly, 1,000, 1,000. And overnight, Instagram just said, nah, you're not doing this. And they just drastically cut me down like 200 views, 100 views. Mm. So I think they shadow banned me essentially. They, they thought I was like being too spammy. And I think my account just got blackballed. I think they shadow banned me. I don't think I was showing up in search results or all of that. So you started a brand new Instagram account and then you started doing this, pretty much copying everything from your website, putting it on the Instagram account. Yeah. And that was like super disheartening because mind you, this project has been around for like two, three years now. I put so much effort into like writing the articles, like blog posts and then turning these blog posts to pictures and then posting them. So I put money out of my pocket. I put, you know, maybe a hundred hours plus one platform flop, two platform, and then it didn't go anywhere. So I was like, fuck, I just stepped away from it again. And then got introduced to TikTok and um, actually shout out to, it was one of my followers on Disruption Theory. I want to say her name was like Priya or something. I think she was doing like tutoring content. She commented something on one of my videos and I clicked her profile at some point. The first thing I saw was like how I got 10,000 followers on TikTok. And mind you, I'm, I'm... What year is this? This is 2018 or 19? No, nah, this is maybe 2019 or 20. Okay. At this point, 19. do you recall like how big TikTok was? Was it... I think it was pretty big. Okay. So I was like, yo, let me, let me see what she has to say. And she kind of like described her, her journey or whatever. And then at some point, once again, I just connected the dots. I was like, man, I got to port Instagram. I got to do this again on TikTok. Because I've been using TikTok as a, as a fan, as a user for like a year at this point. And then I saw my man Lyridon, shout out to him. I saw his TikTok account and he was getting like 1,400 views on like regular shit. Just like him drinking his coffee and dancing or whatever. Just regular stuff. I'm like, yo, I'm not getting 1,400 views on my videos. And he's getting 1,400. I was like, oh man, this is it. And at that moment, like I just knew. Like I knew I was going to blow up with the content because I believed in the content so much. I knew it was so interesting. I just, I was so shocked and disappointed that the world wasn't responding to it the way I thought they should. But when I saw the, like the growth that was happening on TikTok, at that point, I just knew. I was like, oh, it's over. And I was actually going around betting everybody. I was like, yo, how many followers? I bet you I'm going to get 10,000 followers the first month in TikTok. I got screenshots of, of me and Chris. I'm talking to my brother. And I was like, yo, I told him, I have this in text. If I get anything less than 10, I'm never making content again. I remember talking to Chuck and I was like, yo, man, how much do you think uh, I'm going to get? He's like, I don't know, man, probably three. Bro, I almost hung up on him. <laughs> I took that shit personal, but he wasn't into TikTok. He had no idea how well, that's much. that's what I asked because I was like, I don't know when this, <laughs> I feel like TikTok is just coming back up, you know? Yeah. I know that people weren't following it because something with China or something. I'm not, I'm not sure. But at some point, yeah, I feel that, like TikTok right. just kind of spiked up and all of a sudden it's on everyone's phones. Initially, yeah. like people weren't really doing it. And then out of, out of nowhere, everyone has it. Yeah. But when I saw like the algorithm, like, I'm like, man, this is it. Like I knew it was going to work. I never felt that way with my YouTube content. I always knew because I feel like as a creator, you have to believe that what you're doing is, is, is yeah. good. The TikTok story, you know, the, I guess it's turning to a long story, but started posting July 1st uh, using this framework I kind of invented because I'm doing content for so long. I got a Twitter account that kind of went viral. So I got like a little formula going. So I was like, yo, on July 1st, I tweeted, I'm going to be posting every day for a month. And I typed in 
I'm on, I'm on a mission to get 10,000 followers the first 30 days. But like, this is one of the, the only things I regret. In like a moment of self-doubt, I just mm. backspaced it. I was like, nah, because what, what if I don't hit 10,000? Mm. Just in that little self moment of doubt, I was like, yo, what if I don't want to be embarrassed? I don't want to yeah. say I'm going to get 10,000 and get nothing. I so, got, ended up getting 350,000 the first month. In but at 30 that moment, days. Yeah, it was like 300 something in 30 days and then 400,000. And I remember I did 500,000 in, in exactly 50 days. Well, I remember you posted, a, I think it was on Twitter too, right? That's yeah, what it was. That's what it was. July and it's, I'm 1st. sure it's still there. It's still there. Yeah, I got receipts. Like this was architected. Like I knew it was gonna pop, bro. I knew it. I just didn't know that it was gonna turn into this. Yeah. You know. And long story short, I created the Design Secrets account. That's Design Secrets with three S's at the end. I'm at 700 some now, and obviously, like it's not. It's, it's a no brainer for me. I've been focusing my my energy and time into that as opposed to the YouTube because it's kind of disheartening. You know, you spend 30 hours building a a video that gets a thousand views. For example, one of the last things I ever uploaded was my explanation video on NFTs, which to this day I believe is one of the best explanations on the internet. In disruption theory. On disruption on theory. Yeah. I got the best explanation theory of NFTs on the internet. And, and I, today, I'm saying that to, like today, arrogantly even. How many views? Roughly. A thousand? A thousand views. And I put a lot of work. Like, you know me, I have like this, yeah. this gift for explaining things. I put a lot of effort to break it down in like the most comprehensible terms, how you can conceptualize an NFT. Mind you, this is right when things were popping off. When this is like May of last year. So I was so psyched because I knew it was going to take off and it didn't. It was like sitting at a thousand. The next video I did was like, um, I think it might be my official last video I ever did, which was uh, on Zen Gaming. You text yeah. me, you're like, yo, that montage is fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right here with the yep. wide monitor, 800 views. So it's not a problem that I'm having. I think this is a problem YouTube is going to start having. And I think I'm already seeing it because these long format videos, man, so much of it really comes down to the thumbnail too, right? The, the plus of TikTok is that you don't need a thumbnail. I mean, you do, but you don't because people are not going to make a selection based on the thumbnail. It's just going to pop up and they're going to start watching right away. Yeah, well, and then I guess you just scroll as well. You don't have a, a ton of thumbnails, especially yeah. if you're on a computer. It's almost kind of like clickbait, kind of. It can be if, you know. For sure, yeah. But, okay. So, with so that being said, I've been putting all my energy on there because... Um, videos that are one minute long, most of my videos, I'm going to say 80, 90% are under a minute. We're talking 44 seconds are doing, you know, crazy numbers. I don't think I have a video under a hundred thousand views, which to me was once upon a time, like a dream, like one day I'm trying to break a hundred K and now every single video breaks a hundred K on TikTok. So it's really made me push YouTube like to the side, like this is not even, this is not even popping, Right. And then they came up with this YouTube shorts format, which is emulating TikTok. And yo, it's working. Like this week, this past week on Disruption Theory, I put out three, three shorts under a minute. All of them did more numbers. They all did more numbers than pretty much all my videos. They're all like, a, you know, two, three, 4,000 views. Wow. And it took me like, you know, 30 minutes to make one, 20 minutes to make them. It feels shitty to put your two months, uh, two weeks effort rather, into a video that just gets a couple thousand plays. In the same amount of time, you can put 10 TikToks, 10 shorts, and you can get a million plays, right? And just for reference, man, the, 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 my most viewed video on YouTube 
is GPT-3. It just broke 400,000 views. Highly recommend watching it for anyone. It's still one of my, I think, one of my best videos. It took me, I don't know, weeks to make. Do you recall how long it is? It's a 20-minute long 20 video. Minute, yeah. It's a compilation video where I'm like taking other people and showcasing their examples. So I'm like documenting other people's shit. My most viewed TikTok took me, I specifically remember the exact day I was at the car getting service done, oil change or something. I came home. I started working on the video. I wasn't feeling it. I was like, ah, let me try it. Let me throw this one on. Rushed it. 10 million views. 10 million. Uh, YouTube pays you a lot better, for sure, per video. TikTok, not really. I think I did the first video that did 8 million views. They paid me $220, which to me is shocking. For 8 million eyes, yeah. For 8 million eyes. Yeah, and the retention rate is like over 40%, which is extremely high. I think in general, like it's a great place to build an audience, but then you got to figure out what to do with that audience. You're not going to get paid just by having eyes on your content. YouTube, however, I think will do that. The problem though, I think YouTube is facing, the competition is getting increasingly hard, right? You're competing for attention in TikTok. It's uh, the best platform I think I've ever used. With Instagram, with Snapchat, I'm limited by my friends, right? If I have a hundred friends on Snapchat, that's the only people that, that are going to yeah. see the content, right? TikTok is a talent show for the world. It is a global stage where everybody gets 15 seconds of fame. On the Disruption Theory TikTok account, my third or fourth video did 750,000 views. At that point, I think I had like a couple of hundred followers. You know, it's almost like a democracy of content. Throw your shit on the stage and let the, let the best content win. And that's what I love about it. It gives everybody a chance. So do you feel that you did anything different when, from other creators in TikTok that are brand new or they just, for the most part, just the content itself? I think it's is the framework I was talking about. I have a very interesting like ideology on how to create content. And it's not just for TikTok, it's for Twitter, it's for uh, blog, videos. A lot of content creators, man, the number one mistake they make is they're not really about anything. They're trying to be about everything. They, of all traits, master of none. Yeah, like they're just doing too much and they're not the go-to guy for X. There's a comedian I used to follow and I, I can't remember, a C for something. He would do these Skype interviews and he had no intention of getting the job. And he would just fuck around with the person. Like he would be the drive through and he would be eating, right? My brother just texted me that today. Yeah. Literally. He'll be, he's like, you're, you're at the drive through right? No, he's like, no, nope. I'm not. Yep, that's Give me guy. a chicken sandwich from, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. I literally yeah. just saw that driving here today. Yeah, it's yo, crazy. I, I don't want to brag, but yo, I was on him when he had like 10,000 followers. He's the go-to. You know what to expect from him every yeah. time. Like you're about to do an interview with somebody and you're going to fuck with them and try to piss him off. Yeah. That's your thing. There's another dude I really like, uh, Connor. I forgot his name. He's like the one-up guy. He does like these like sketches where he's always one-upping some okay. imaginary character that he's talking to. And he's the one-up guy. He is the interview guy. And then you have people that are just like doing it all. They're trying to be an artist, but they're doing every single type of art and every single subject matter. You got musicians that are trying to cover all types of popular songs in every genre. They don't have a thing. And I think I came up with like a really interesting systematic way how to arrive at a, at a niche, for lack of a better term. Do you think that by them trying everything out, they're trying to find their niche and trying to see what sticks or? Maybe, maybe. But I came in like prepared. Before TikTok, I created a Twitter account called Wisdom by GPT-3. I should have clarified, GPT-3 is an AI that can write text at indistinguishable from human level text almost. Because I was seeing all these crazy quotes generated by this artificial intelligence that are deep. I mean, deep, man. Some of them changed the way I think about design even. I thought to myself, you know, I want to share this with the world, but like, what, 
how do I frame this? Just quotes by AI? That's not, that's too broad. Mm. I used my framework and I framed it as wisdom by GPC-3. And it, it took off. It you know had like 3,000 followers in the first month or two. Michael Dell, which is one of the world's richest people, follows their account. AI researchers are like these top-notch companies are following it and retweeting. Wow. So that was that happened before TikTok. And I was like, okay, my framework works. My content is solid. Time to marry the two and just, you know, take off. And that's exactly what happened. Improving your concept, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. So doing that for seven, eight months, man, basically is dope. But I realized I missed this. Design Secrets is almost too restrained. It doesn't give me that freedom to, to turn up and, and talk about this shit that really animates me that I want to talk about, that I spend 99% of my day thinking about. I don't really think about design all the time. Yeah. Uh, I'm a professional designer. I design products and I redesign products. But the, the things that really move me is almost like speculating what the future might look like and how we can solve certain problems before they even arise, seeing problems that are still brewing that are not quite there yet but I think are going to really show themselves later on in philosophy and, and just thinking about deconstructing the world around me and trying to figure out like commonalities and like, it's not design oriented stuff. Right. So that platform is great. And I think is going to do really interesting things. I'm definitely not giving up on it by any means. I'm still going hard as I can, but this is disruption theory is like my passion, passion. You know, just analyzing the world and, and presenting these interesting ideas and solutions and takes that I have. More expressive freedom, basically, you know. And the podcast is dope, too, because the only reason that I even started in the first place was back when the first episode launched, I realized that one thing I'm really good at is almost like freestyling. When I write a script about a topic, it might take me two weeks. But if you and I were talking about it, I might give you an incredible performance of that script, like yeah. off the top. And... You know what I mean? That's 10 times better than anything I could have written. So I feel like I'm trying to let go of this like perfected, um, isolated environment where I'm crafting content. Like, nah, I'm trying to be more loose with it. Get my ideas out because I got too many built up. And what happens is a lot of these ideas have an expiration life because they, they come to a reality. That's and, true. And then yeah. I never got them off. Like, I remember like five years ago, I remember talking to Chris and I was telling him like, Netflix need to launch movie theaters. And I had like this whole elaborate reason, like this whole play, what they should do. Right. And I had like all these arguments. And then one day, like, I think he sent me an article like, oh, Netflix is about to launch theaters. I'm like, man, like I, I should, I should have put that out but, there. Yeah. It was your idea and you, it was never out there. Like one of the other ones you told me a long time ago was cars are going to become obsolete. You know, and I was just having a conversation with my girlfriend about that the other day too. Maddie. About that just. I remember. Yeah. I remember the combo. Although like, that's not like a I don't think that was like an original idea or anything. Well, it's not at also just everyone has the ideas, right? But it's also like the like the Reddit explain like I'm five yeah. that you're able to do as well, you know? I really deep dive. It's not like conversationally, oh, Netflix should do theaters. Nah, like I go in and I like I look at the business model, look at the statistics, what angles could be exploited. For example, Netflix or a streaming service could not get nominated for an Oscar unless their movie was ran in a movie theater for like an X amount of time. And funny enough, my biggest hit that I've ever had in terms of predicting, you know, the future, so to speak, was uh, Apple's nutritional labels. Remember that? I have a video on it. And the only reason I even have that on tape, me saying it, is because it was on the podcast. Mm. I was like, we put food into our body. We want to know what nutrition we're getting in there, right? We have a federal agency that kind of makes everybody put a label telling you what you're getting into your body. Why don't we have that for most precious devices? I want to know what I'm installing on there. I got my kids' pictures. I got crypto passwords. I got whatever, right? 
and I documented it. And then nine months later, Apple came out. They used the exact same analogy. Where have we seen this before? Nutritional labels. It was to the point where everybody was, you know, they were hitting me like, yo, I think they stole your shit. I'm like, yeah, chill. I don't, I don't, th- I don't know. Maybe. But the only reason that's even out in the universe is because I got it out. And I wasn't like, you know, perfecting over it and trying to like hold yeah. off on it. That's part of the reason that going forward, I want to do this on a regular basis. Uh, it's not so much that I want to have a podcast. I'm not sure if I do, but I like the side effect of having a podcast, which means it forces you to sit down, go off the top for two hours, and then break down little clips. It makes you generate content faster. So, so is this part of your framework? What's going on right now? No. Kind of? No? No. Not, not necessarily. I think this is just a format. As a creator, you have to find out what format works for you. Some people are not meant to be on camera. Maybe you just freeze up and you just start acting real awkward. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. What the, the lesson there is like, you're not meant to be on camera, so you better start writing blogs. Like Leverage things, right? Yeah. Get on a podcast and cut out the, the, the video. Just do audio only. Your voice is atrocious. Right, you got an annoying ass voice. Okay, start writing, start animating things, but you got to basically figure out. You got to get it how you can. I guess that's part of the framework. Well, you got to be, um, got to evaluate yourself too, and be real with yourself too. And I feel like that's people yeah. struggle with that. Yeah. You know, people want to be actors, they want to be singers. Not saying that you can't, but you got to understand you're you're going to have a lot more hurdles than other people. You know, if they're yeah. naturally better at it. It's it's all strategy, man. I think I think creatives sometimes are too creative and they neglect the, the what is it, left-right brain uh, dichotomy. They neglect the strategy. And I've always been grounded in strategy and just like systematic thinking and system thinking. That's the main reason why I put my face on Design Secrets. It's not like an ego play. Like, I want to be on the... No, I hate it, bro. Like, I, I hate... I don't hate it, but like, I really don't like recording. But I also thought to myself, if I did this as a video... It's extremely easy for somebody to save as and repost. They can steal my content. So I'm like, yo, if I'm putting out this quality content out there, people steal mm. it. They can build an account that surpasses my own following. I'll have 10,000 followers. They can get 50,000 because they're marketing it better. So the strategy was like, no, 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 no. Basically put my, a watermark. Yeah, I'm going to put my face on every single thing. So my face becomes the, the watermark, you know? People are going to steal your shit no matter what. But if I'm in front of that camera, you, you, you're forced to see my face and then... It's Even some, if they do steal and post it, they're going to probably say, who's this design secret guy? and just going to follow you, right? Yeah, and I was thinking, too, like, you know, sometimes you got to think big. Like, all right, if somebody acquires me and, like, they buy the company, they buy the rights to design secrets, they give me, you know, hopefully millions. Uh, I, as a person, I'm an integral part of design secrets. You can't take me out and get somebody else. I mean, I guess you could, but the, the sauce, the secret sauce of design secrets isn't my face or anything else. It's the script I have a very succinct way of knowing what to say and what not to say, most importantly. To me, the winning formula is you got to know yourself, know your strengths, know your weaknesses, and look at the platform, look at what rules it has, look how people are behaving on there, and just strategize, like figure out how to get it. Like, you know. And now, I find it that with the disruption theory TikTok, I'm getting even more loose with the content. Because what ends up happening, too, is like when you get 700,000 people and you know hundreds of thousands, millions of people are going to watch your shit... You get this paralysis of like perfection again. You're like, damn, I got to tighten up. I can't just, you know, get, get loose with the content. And it kind of like frightens you a little bit. And I've seen other creators express the exact same sentiment. They're, they say the exact same thing, which is like after a certain point when you kind of, you know, get popping. You're like, all right, I got too many eyes on me now. I got to, you know. Everything I mean? has to be perfect now. Yeah, yeah, Well, I yeah. feel like it's good too if you start off at a lower bar, I guess, initially. If everything's so perfect from the beginning, it's already going to be hard to match that too, you know. But people are so impatient, they don't see that that's a blessing. You want that to happen because 
the struggle of you going through the motions of like, you know, putting 15 videos and somebody saying, yo, this shit is whack. You should never make videos again. After you perfected it and, and spent hours or weeks or whatever working on it. Right? You need that. Yeah. You need people hating on you, telling you, like, don't ever make content. Like, what are you doing? Somebody on Reddit was, like, frying me, like, yo, why is this annoying TikToker when every fucking video his face has no value? And maybe 10, six, seven years ago, I might have taken that. It doesn't even, it doesn't even affect me the slightest at that point. But that's because I went through, you know, six, seven years of putting content, flopping, flopping. People, you know, shitting on it sometimes, sometimes not. You, I mean, it's cliche, man, but you really, have, you got to have a thick skin. And part of that is developed through the process of coming up. People want to get to the top without coming up to the top. Yeah. You got to come up to the top. You got to go through all the hurdles and obstacles so you know how to handle yourself when you are at the top. You know what I mean? Because otherwise, like, you can transplant somebody with a million followers, but you don't, you don't know how you even got them in the first place. You That's don't know true. how to handle them. So it's almost like, you know, it's like boxing, bro. You got to work your way up the classes. People want to skip steps, essentially. Yeah. So with that being said, man, I plan on experimenting with disruption theory again. I want to, my dream is to turn on this camera right here and not have a script and be comfortable just talking loosely without having this paralysis of perfection. And I want to start well, cranking I feel like you're videos. there already. On the outside, it probably looks like that, man, but I overthink okay. things. I overthink too much. I overthink. And, and something about TikTok, I don't. Because I know mm -hmm. I have a minute. I got 30, 40 seconds to put something, right? Yesterday's a good example. Dolly 2 came out, this other AI. I wanted to cover it. Man, a year ago, I would have sat down, started doing crazy research, taking notes, screenshots, started blocking out scenes like, okay, I'm going to have this introduction here, and then I'm going to come through with explaining how it works and the research. TikTok, it's like, nah, I need to present this in 30 seconds. Go. It's already a given. I'm not going to get into the details of it, right? Back then, I was creating movies. Now I'm creating trailers. And you have one day to do it. If you tell yourself, like, you got a couple hours to put it together, that's what I usually do. Every TikTok, if I start from scratch... I don't know, an hour or two, right? And that's it. You can't overthink it. It's also like the low quality of TikTok videos. Like everything is filmed with a front-facing camera of an iPhone, yeah. right? I have a DSLR for, you know, $1,200, a lens for $400. Like none of that matters. All those videos I filmed with this DSLR combined probably got 2,000 views, right? And for comparison, I'll get on my iPhone. I'll just talk to my iPhone. And within the first hour... I averaged 20 to, to let's say 20,000 views the first hour of a video being yeah. out, right? So that low quality bar, is, I mean, the expectation is just not as high. And I think it's like it, it liberates you a little bit creatively. You don't have like, oh, this needs to be perfect. And let me just tweak the shadows a little bit and, and fix the, dude, no one cares. Yeah. You got 30 seconds. It's not that deep. Just go. How long did it take you your, on average to make your first couple of TikTok videos? But like now, like you said, right now, you give yourself a couple of hours to do it initially, like the first week of videos. So the first like 50 probably took me about an hour each because everything was already ready. I already had the script. I had to, I mean, it was a blog post, but it was easier to like translate it to a script. You know? I already had the images. So just click, 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 export. But now I'm finding myself maybe investing a little bit more. A little bit more, but the, the script process is still kind of quick. It's like conversational. Keep it quick, keep it interesting, hook people in and say what you got is don't be extra. And know yourself. Like I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to crack jokes. Some people like they're trying to do edutainment, right? We're like, you're trying to be educational and entertaining. Bro, I'm not entertaining. Yeah. Here's some dope shit about birds or giraffe, whatever. And I'm about to tell it to you in the most concise ways possible. I'm not being extra. Like that's not me, right? 
disruption theory TikTok is the most fun thing for me right now. Like I'm having way more fun on disruption theory TikTok than design secrets because design secrets like, all right, you know, you got potentially a lot of money sponsorships are in the, you know, you got companies looking at you and, and giving you crazy offers and I'm trying not to curse. Like that's going to be like the brand, like the cash cow brand, right? I'm positioning okay. that as like, this is the clean family friendly brand design secrets. You might have a book in your local bookstore soon. You might have a TV show. I don't know. Maybe it's a Netflix special. I don't know where it's going to go, but that's like the family friendly you know, me with the, the tie on, yeah. figuratively speaking, right? Disruption theory is what I'm trying to turn up, bro. Like, this is, this is really me. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if disruption theory, theory really took off now because that burden of perfection is, like, not there anymore, right? Yeah. I already hit those numbers with design series. Now I can really be me. You know what I mean? So we'll see, man. Time will tell. But um, that's, like the, that's the story of what basically happened and why I fell off the face of the earth, you know? And I feel like I'm back now. You know, I'm back now, but this time around is going to be a little, a little bit different. And I feel like this time around, it might be, you might be seeing a lot more of me because now I'm more free with it. If you, if you know Lil Wayne's career, so Lil Wayne prolifically does not write anything. He goes in a booth and just TikToks it off the top, right? He wasn't like that all the time. Back when he was younger, he used to write raps. And I think he had a snapping point. And the story goes, he's told this story, I think, twice now. He went in his boy's house in the basement, who was a DJ. He threw a beat on. He went with all of his papers, all of his raps, and just wrapped them one by one. And it just as he wrapped it, he tossed a piece of paper on the floor, rip it. And you could actually hear him ripping papers. And ever since that day, he got everything off his chest that he had written. He's never written again. He's just off top now. And that kind of liberated him creatively, you know? And I think it's a good example that he is a creative who was too constrained by perfection and writing syllables. And his mind is too, it wasn't contained by the paper, right? And I, I definitely feel that with me. So now I'm about to just turn up and say, fuck it. I'm going to do what I want to do, not what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And see what happens.